Welcome. So glad you're here with us at the Organizer Chicks podcast today. I'm your host, Amber Taggart, and I appreciate you taking the time out of your life to be here and to listen along today. Now, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, you might want to subscribe. That way you'll get notifications every week when a new podcast drops. And if you've listened a few times and you feel like you've gotten some useful or or good information from the podcast, it would make our day if you would leave us a review if the platform that you're listening on allows for reviews. The topic for today's podcast comes from an email from Audra who emails in from Spokane, Washington. She says, hi, Amber. Thanks so much for the insightful and interesting information you share in the Organizer Chicks podcast. I'm subscribed. I listen every Monday when a new episode comes out. I've especially enjoyed the times you've talked about time management, and I wonder if you could share in a little more detail how my husband, who's a great guy and so fun and great with our kids, can better be on time. It doesn't seem to bother him to be late, and even when I can tell that he's really trying to be on time for my sake, it's a real struggle for him. Do you have any insight? Audra, thank you so much for the question. This is my absolute favorite thing to do, to create episodes of the podcast that actually speak to your questions or your concerns or your desire for more information about a specific subject. So if you, like Audra, have something you'd like to hear a little bit more, a little bit in depth, more of a deep dive about, please do feel free to email your comments and questions in. You can send them to info at theorganizerchicks.com or of course you can find us on social media and send us messages there as well. But Audra, this is a great question and you know, the story that you're telling me here is often repeated. We often find that, you know, when couples come together, there's this bit of yin and yang, right? One of you is more relaxed, one of you is more stringent, one of you might be a bigger spender and the other is the bigger saver. And very often one person wants to be on time for things and the other one is maybe a little bit more laissez-faire. So this is not at all an uncommon question or an uncommon concern in a relationship. And what we know is that type A personalities and type B personalities actually perceive the passing of time differently from one another. And I think this is incredibly interesting. When surveyed and when asked to guess how long it takes for a minute to go by, the average type A personality in a specific study done several years ago guessed at 58 seconds. That's how long they perceived one minute to go by. 58 seconds, just two seconds off of the actual full 60 seconds. That is one minute. And so, you know, fairly close, fairly accurate. And that's kind of what you would expect from your type A person. I'm sure everyone can immediately draw up in your mind somebody that you know, maybe you yourself, who is more of that type A person who is more concerned with being on time, with doing things right, oftentimes with keeping things orderly and that kind of thing. And then you've got your type B personality and the world needs type B people. They're the people who are going to find the fun in the situation, who can be more relaxed, who can take a breath, who are often great mediators, right? But what we know from this same study is that the type B personalities, they felt that a minute had gone by in a leisurely 77 seconds. Now, that is a 19 second difference in the understanding of about how long it felt that a minute went by. And when we kind of extrapolate this and do the math on it, because this is what my mind first goes to (laughs) being a, a nerdy type A myself, is that this 
ends up being a difference of over three minutes for every 10 minutes. And so if you're living with somebody or you're partnered with somebody or working with somebody and you're understanding your feeling of time just doesn't seem to match their reality, it is entirely possible that it doesn't. The perception of how fast time goes by is impacted by your personality type. And so if you are a type B, if you love a type B, if you're the parent of a type B and you want to help your type B personality who you love so much overcome this difference, this gap in the understanding of what a minute really looks like and feels like, one of the best things you can do is help them to understand that this is indeed happening with them. Now, you don't want to nag. You want to do this in the kindest way possible, right? But maybe it's helpful to explain the results of this study that I just told you about. Maybe it's helpful to have them listen to this podcast. And what we want to do is make sure that the type B personality who is likely to just sense time passing a little differently than you do as a type A potentially, and to be frank, more inaccurately is that that type B person is going to have to work harder to overcome the difference in what they perceive to be reality and what reality actually is. We also know that people who are optimists tend to run late. Now, you want your optimist friend to come with you to places, right? They're they're so great to have along. They're positive and they're upbeat and they make things fun, but they have a tendency to assume that all will go well. They have a tendency to think things are going to come together easily. When it's time to pack, I can just throw things in a bag. I'll catch all the green lights. And so we know that different personality types perceive and act upon time differently. Now, there is a way to compensate for this difference in perception, and it's all about reverse engineering your time. Now, oftentimes I work with clients as time management clients who are struggling with being late to work. And we know that, you know, it's something our employers don't like when we're running late. And sometimes, you know, our clients don't like if maybe we're self-employed or, you know, school certainly doesn't like it when we run late. So there are all kinds of good reasons to work on bettering our time management skills. And it is a skill. It is something that can be practiced and that can be honed. And it's great to have a procedure, a process process in place. So as I work often with people in time management, I find that alarm clocks in the mornings are set for whole and half hours. And I find that a lot of people like to set a 6 a.m. alarm clock and not go before that. And hey, I understand it. You know, six is a nice round number. Who wants to get up any earlier than they have to? But this is a great time to stop and think, where are my alarm clocks set? Reverse engineering, which I'm going to walk you through here in just a minute, it can be done in your mornings, but it can also be done at any time of day, any time that you have a line in the sand. I'm supposed to meet my spouse at 7 p.m. for dinner. You can reverse engineer from 7 p.m. to make that appointment on time. If you've got a baseball game that's going to start, you know, Saturday at 11 a.m., you can reverse engineer that. So what I'm going to talk you through today is going to be applicable no matter what you're trying to get to. And I would like to suggest that you pause right here and grab a pencil and paper if you don't already have one. Now, maybe you're driving right now and you just want to listen along and that's fine. I'll be as explanatory as I can. But this is something that is very helpful to practice, to physically go through the motions of writing out this schedule as I'm going to outline it for you. 
So the concept of reverse engineering our time, it's all about beginning with the end in mind. So for the purpose of today's example that I'm going to walk you through, we're going to assume that we're trying to get Susan to work on time and her job starts at 8 a.m. So as she begins with the end in mind, the end for her is actually sitting down at her desk, logging into her computer at 8 a.m. And the thing about time is that if we aren't careful, it will just be gone. And it behooves us to use our time to the best possible use that we can and to make the most of it. That's what this life is made of, right? And <laughs> these, these things called hours and minutes and days. And so the whole point of really managing our time well is that we're making sure that we're spending our minutes and times and days in the places with the people and on the things that are the most meaningful to us. So as we're beginning with the end in mind, we know that Susan wants to be sitting down at her desk at 8 a.m., the question that I then ask of Susan is, Susan, what would you like to accomplish in your morning before you have to get to work? And so I work with her and this is an exercise. Again, I encourage you to sit down with your paper and your pencil or at least to think through in your mind and also do. What in an ideal world do I want to build into the fabric of my life? Not what will I allow to happen as we rush through things, but how would I like to control my time so that I can do and accomplish and have time for all the things that are really important to me? So let's say that Susan says that the first thing she has to do every morning is the first thing we all have to do, right? We have to get up and get out of bed and use the restroom. The next thing she wants to do is maybe to make her bed. Maybe she's listened to the Organizer Chicks podcast in the past and has has heard about what a great productivity booster that can be in your morning. So she wants to spend a few minutes to make her bed. And maybe she also wants to spend a little time before the hustle and bustle of the day has gotten underway. And she wants to meditate or pray, read scriptures, something along those lines. Now, she also is going to need to get herself dressed take care of, you know, basic hygiene, do her hair and her makeup and things like that. Now, Susan has a kiddo and she needs to wake up her son and maybe he's pretty young. So she might also need to oversee his getting dressed and, and his daily hygiene and things like that. Maybe Susan also has a goal of using a little bit of her morning time to prepare and eat a healthy breakfast before everyone leaves the house in the morning. Maybe there's a pet that needs to be fed and maybe taken on a walk before the day starts. And then Susan needs to drive her son to school. She has to be realistic about the fact that she also will have to spend some time sitting in the car line and then she'll drive from school to work. And finally, she's going to want to arrive at work prepared to be productive because again, she wants to be sitting at her desk already logged in and prepared to be a productive employee by 8 a.m., what I hope that you will do is you will make this chart, this chronological chart of how your morning would be in this ideal world for you. Write down this list of all these things that you would do if you're being really purposeful about the morning, about the time, about these minutes and hours of your day. So then what you need to do is make sure that they're in order. Make sure that just like the list we'd walk through with Susan here, she wakes up and then she makes the bed. Put these items in chronological order. And that is actually going to be on one side of this chart that you're about to make. 
Now comes the reverse engineering. And what we're going to do is we're actually going to start at the bottom of that list. So this is how we begin with the end in mind. We know that by eight, Susan wants to be sitting at her desk, ready to go. And so what that means is that at 7.55, we really want her to be putting it in park in the parking lot so that she has a few minutes to walk into the building and to get clocked in and to say hello to her friend on the way past her desk. So we want to write down 7.55 a.m. as the parking lot arrival time. And here is where math comes into play. Now, listen, I know some of you who are listening might have just had a visceral response to my use of the word math. You don't like it. You don't want it. You don't see much value for it. I get it. I understand. But here's the beautiful thing about math. It is a realist. It is going to tell you the cold, hard truth. And in so doing, it's going to be your friend because it's going to set you up for success. Now, especially if you are this optimist that we talked about or this type B personality who is experiencing what a minute feels like to you in a way that is not actually congruent with the factual length of a minute, math is going to really and truly be such a friend to you. So what we're going to do and where math is going to come into play is we're going to work our way up from the bottom of this list. Again, we've begun with the end in mind. And so Susan, who wants to put it in park at 7.55 a.m., she has to ask herself, how long does it take me to do the next thing above this on my list? And for Susan, that was to drive from school to work. That was the next to last thing on her list. So maybe she looks at it on maps or maybe she actually times herself for a few minutes every day of the week. Or maybe she actually times herself a few days during the week to determine exactly how long it takes her to get from school to work. Now, if Susan determines that it's going to take her 18 minutes to make that drive from school to work, then she needs to subtract 18 minutes from the seven 55 a.m. time that she had wanted to put that car and park in the parking lot. She has now backed the alarm clock up to 7.37 a.m. She now looks at the next thing that's one line higher on her list of things she wants to accomplish, and that's sit in the car line. It's not something she wants to do per se. It's just a necessary evil of the process of getting her son dropped off to school. On average, she's going to calculate she sits there for six minutes at a time. Again, don't be afraid to actually use a timer. Your phone will have an actual timer app that's right there with your alarm clock. So don't be afraid to use that timer and get an accurate bead on exactly how long it takes. But for Susan, she's timed that it takes her six minutes to sit in that car line. So she is going to subtract six minutes and her alarm clock is now at 7.31 a.m. She's going to calculate it takes her 10 minutes to drive from her house to the school's car line. She's backed up to 7.21 a.m. In an ideal world, she'd like to spend about 15 minutes feeding and walking the dog in the morning. Her alarm clock is backed up to 7.06. She'd like to spend 30 minutes preparing and eating a healthy breakfast, something that's fairly quick, but a sit-down meal with her family. The alarm clock backs up 30 more minutes and is now at 6.36 a.m. She thinks that realistically it's going to take her about 20 minutes to oversee her son getting dressed, making sure that hair and teeth are brushed and things like this, and the alarm clock backs up to 6.16 a.m. 
She'd like to have 30 minutes to do her own hair and makeup, to get herself dressed, and to put a little bit of time into her appearance every day. And so now her alarm clock is backed up to 5.46 a.m. Maybe she'd like to spend 10 minutes making her bed really quickly and then doing a little bit of meditation or prayer in the morning. So her alarm clock is now at 5.36 a.m. And finally, we're at the top of that list where she first started her day, where she needs to wake up, get out of bed, and use the restroom. She's going to give herself about four minutes on average to do that. And her alarm clock is now set for 5.32 a.m. If Susan, like a lot of us do, has just been setting her alarm clock for 6 a.m. every morning, there is actually a 28-minute deficit in the things that she wants to accomplish and the time that she's given herself to do those things in. And so one of two things often ends up happening. Either we rush through all of these things and we feel this incredibly contagious feeling that is anxiety throughout our morning, or we just have to drop some things from our our morning altogether. Maybe nobody gets a sit-down breakfast, or maybe the dog doesn't get walked in the morning because we're trying to make up for 28 minutes that we didn't give ourselves. But that is the beauty of reverse engineering. And again, This can apply to any time of your day and to any day of the week. If you're trying to get ready for the evening, then you may want to start calculating with your afternoon. You can back that list up as far as need be. And the beauty of this is that it's all about you taking control of your life. It's all about you saying that I understand that time is a non-renewable resource of the human experience. There is nothing that any of us can do to create more time for ourselves. We can't be good enough or smart enough or rich enough to earn any more hours. And it's up to all of us to do the best that we can with those hours, days, and minutes that we have been given. And I sincerely hope that some reverse engineering here in the time management world will help you to live your very best life. That wraps up this episode of the Organizer Chicks podcast. I'd like to give a big thanks to our producer, Connor Reed, as well as to Sweet 25, whose song, Thinking About You, you're listening to right now. Find this and more awesome songs by them on Spotify. Please be sure to subscribe and, where possible, to review our podcast, which enables others to find it more easily. Thanks for spending your time here with us today, and be sure to join us next time as we work to turn your before into an after.